Hello everyone, happy Sabbath. It's always a blessing for me to be here to uh, share the message. And I'm covering for pastor today. He had it to be in a meeting in Baltimore with the It's Written program. So he's having a lot of fun over there. I'm jealous. <laughs> and also, uh, I want to ask you, uh, there are some people that need rides to and from church. So with Pastor, we have created a little small sign-up sheet, and it's in the octagon. If you are able to provide a ride, that would be awesome. I really appreciate it. So write your name, phone number, or email if you had it. And let us know which areas you can cover. Like if you're in some prairie, you can tell us, oh, I can cover the area of some prairie. We know it's not going to be every Sabbath, but once a month or something, sometimes we get calls from people, then they need it uh, dry. And we will appreciate that. So let's bow our head and, and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing this morning. Thank you for bringing us here safe. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to worship and praise you, Father. And as we go going to open your word, that your Holy Spirit lead us and teach us what, we want, what you want to teach us, Father. We ask you this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, today's message, I name it, You Are. I was thinking about, should I put it You Are or Open Letters? red letter, how do I want to name it? And the reason why is because sometimes we forgot where we come from. We forgot our background. Oh, I'm from another country or I'm from another city or another state. And you might say, okay, what does that matter? Well, it does matter because when you were in that position, then you create yourself a, a goal and say, hey, I want to be, when I grow up, I want to be in this position. I want to be there. I want to reach all of this. But as time goes by, you forget. You forget where you came from. You also you forget where you're going to. You also forget your family. You forget your neighborhood. You forget those things that actually define who you are. And when you forget all of those things, you might end up in places that you weren't expected to go. Oh, I I got to study, and then I think when I graduated, I will become an engineer, and I want to be making this and this, and this is my, and this is much money, and I want to have this and have that. But then, halfway in college, you decide that you don't want to study anymore, and then you end up doing whatever, and then you realize, oops, what happened with my dreams? Until somebody had to come and tell you, hey, I know you. We were in high school, and you told me that you wanted to do this and that and that. What happened? And then you just click and say, oops, you know, this thing never came out the way we expect. Something changed, and now I am a different thing. I'm planning something different. And then you realize that your goals are no longer there. Now you're living with somebody else's goals. You are doing something different. So even when those people come in, Remind you, for us as a Christian, it's the same way. One day, we became Christians. And what happened with us now? Somebody had to come and tell us who you are 
And for us, as a Christian, it's the Bible who come and tell us. And one of the first things that the Bible reminds you all the time is that you are a new creation. And that happens when you become a Christian. It might happen that people will tell you, but I see you the same. What changed? I see you the same old man as I saw you 10 years ago. What have changed? And it's because it's not talking about the spiritual side. We are talking about the spiritual arena. That is what it changed. And that's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? Creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the way we used to do things are not the same anymore because we have changed. The way we talk, the way we think, the way we do things are not the same. That was the old me. Now is the new me. But how come that I became a new creature? How come that happened? Or when did that change came into my life? It's easy. Galatians 3.27 reminds us that that change came for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Without exception, all of us have gone through this, right? There's no exception in the Christian world. If you wanted to become a Christian, you have to be baptized by immersion. There's no other way. Even if you came to this church and have been accepted by professional faith, it's because you were baptized at least by immersion on your previous church. And then we take it as a valid baptism because some people believe, yeah, I only baptized once and that's enough. Okay, that's fine. We don't argue with that. But at least you did it by immersion. And, and when that happened, believe me, you came out of that pool Zero miles in sin. No more sin. All has been put away. How could that happen? Oh, that is heavy mercies. That is because that's the gift of God. And at that moment, everything you do is going to be new. And then it is like a new baby. What happens when you have a new baby? And I think Anita, Anita Hesse can tell you that. See, now she has a little baby, a granddaughter, and she sees that she can't talk. She cannot move yet. So she has to feed her. She has to take care of her. So it's not that once you baptized, you came out of the pool and now you're perfect. No, you start a new life. You start learning new things. You start learning how to talk now, how to react to things, because that's the learning process of the Christian. And we all have been there. Some few months, some for a couple years, 10, 20, some 30. So we're born in the church, but that doesn't mean that it's not changed. Yeah, you still have to learn how to become a Christian. And God gives you that chance when you baptize. But also, at the end of, of that text, you were baptized into Christ and have put on Christ. What does that mean? That it is like if we have put on now a new garment, a new suit. And now, because I'm a Christian, I should be talking 
walking and teaching in the same way Christ did. That's one question that we should ask ourselves today. Is my character like Christ? Are my deeds like Christ? When I talk, when people look at me, do they see Christ in me? That is very important. Because if they don't see Christ in you, how are they going to believe it? The message you're trying to bring. That is difficult. So one thing that I, I don't want you to forget is that you are a new creation. But not only a new creation. The Bible says also that you are a new light to the world of the world. This is a kind of a bold statement when we say that you are the light of the world. Why? Oh, because let me tell you something. Jesus said on John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. So if Jesus said that he is, I cannot take the position of Jesus because I'm not like Jesus. I'm trying to be like Jesus. But it's something nice that Jesus did for all of us. You know, one of the things that he did is in Matthew 5, 14, he says, you are so now Jesus doesn't say only, I am the only one. No, he says, now, you are the light of the world. A city that is on, on a hill cannot be hidden. So that is an interesting story for us. Why? Because you have to be light for the world full of darkness. Last week, we were studying on a Sabbath school class. And you know that all of this quarter we've been talking about the state of the dead. And you might say, why are we talking about this? We know that. We know where the dead are or what they're doing. Yeah, but every day we have new Christians in our church. Every day we have new people who actually don't know the state of the dead. So we need to teach them. And that's why the quarters are written that in that way. It's not that, oh, I already know that. Let's skip it. No, you need to go back and study and there was a testimony of somebody said that a friend of her, an atheist, approached her and said, hey, my husband died. Imagine that atheist telling you, my husband died. I want you to tell me where he is. You know, it could have been kind of funny if it was me like, oh, he's in hell. <laughs> because he's an atheist, right? So doesn't believe in it. But she says, you know what? I believe what Jesus says on the Bible, where the dead are. They are resting. And when Jesus comes, he will bring them back to life. And she thought, and she said, you know, that's the most comforting answer I ever had. So she was light for that person. It's the same way that happened with us. Sometimes people will come and tell you a lot of things. And in my work, in my job, sometimes come people and tell me, hey, you know, this and this and this happened. And at the end, when they finish talking, I said, couldn't be worse, don't you think? And they go, oh, yeah, you're right. Couldn't be worse, but it wasn't, right? Yeah, see, now you're happy. Let's move on. So sometimes you have to say the right words. And by saying the right words, he's not telling you, 
is not telling people, you are wrong. You're mistaken, my friend. No, just listen to the people. And be the light for that person. Now, where does that light come from us, for us? We, in this arena, we are like reflectors. So the light comes from Jesus, and we reflect that light. It's not coming from us. But how do we get it? It is a popular text on the Bible that we find it on Psalms 119, 105. And what does Psalm 119.05 says? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. What is the word saying? It's like if you have like a, a lamp and you are lighting your path. So you know where you put your feet, right? You know that you're going to put your feet on a hard land and not on sand. Or you're not going to stumble or trip with something. But the light has to be ahead of you, not behind you. Because if the light is behind you, then what you're following is your shadow. And if you follow your shadow, you're going to make a lot of mistakes because you're going to be following your own experience. Your gut. Oh, I believe that this is the right thing. Boom, and you fall. No, the light has always has to be ahead of you. Because it not only leads you, but it will also help you to lead others. And that's why Jesus keeps that comment. He says, you are the light of the world. So my brothers, think of you as somebody who is going to lead others to Jesus. Think of you as someone who's going to give the right words to those people in need. What do you say to people when they have lost the loved one? Sometimes you don't have words. Do you sit by them in, in silence? And sometimes silence is the best wisdom because what can you say? Words are not that much to Help that grieving person. Just give them a hug. And tell them, hey, Jesus loves you. Maybe that's the only thing they need. And be with those people. Especially when there is stress or something difficult happen. You be calm. Because you are the light for those person. Now another thing that I want you to remember is another comment of Jesus. You are the salt of the world. Now, when we talk about salt, we believe or we think about salt as a seasoning agent. What happens if you trying to eat something and you forgot to put the salt? Might be the best meal, but what happened? It tastes awful. You can't even taste it. If you something's missing, something's missing. But he's not talking about the salt as a seasoning. And, and let's talk about exactly what Jesus meant. He says, Matthew 5.13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown and trampled on the foot by men. Hmm. Is he really talking about the soul like being a seasoning? Jesus didn't say it once. He said it a couple of times. He said it on Mark 9.50. 
salt is good. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourself. Oh, now, now it's not that you are salt for somebody else, but you have to be salt for yourself too. How can that be? And have peace with one another. Well, something, new, something that we learn every day. Do you know why Jesus is talking about the salt that is so important? And it's because salt was also part of the offerings in the Old Testament. I don't know if you knew this, but if you read Numbers 18, 19, I'll read it to you. It says, All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offered to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. And listen to this. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord. With you and your descendants with you. Why did God call it the salt, the covenant of salt? Hmm. Let's read another. Leviticus 2.13. And every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. Do you know this? You're going to bring some of the offerings, but with the offering you're going to bring salt with it. He said, well, you will bring salt with it. You, you shall not allow the salt or the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offerings. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. So what is Jesus telling us? Why was the salt important on that offering? Because he's talking about one of the properties of the salt that we use, but we forget. And it's the preservation agent. What happened when you got a lot of fish? He said, well, I went fishing and I got like 200 mackerels, whatever. What do I do with it? I don't, wanna, I don't want them to go to waste. What do you do to keep them? You sold them and put them to dry. And what happened a year later? You still have those, mac- those fish. And all they prepared, you soak them in water. Leave them half a day, wash them, fry them, and then you have fresh fish again. Taste this thing. It hasn't rotten. How come? Because this is the salt. So what Jesus is telling you when he said that you are the salt of the earth, he's telling you that you are a preservation agent for this work. In which way? Let me read to you a comment of... Uh, Stephen Haskell, he wrote a beautiful book I recommend it to all of you. He talked about the cross and its shadow. In all the book, he's talking about these sanctuary services. He talked about how everything was done in the Old Testament and what that meant and the fulfillment in the New Testament. And one of the things that he talked about the salt on page 141, he says, salt removes and prevents corruption. And that's why for the offerings, you had to bring souls. But what was the meaning for all of it? He says, it is also an emblem of friendship. The salt of the covenant was never to be omitted from the meat offerings that reminding God's people 
of his protecting care and promise to save and that only the righteousness of Christ could make the service acceptable to God. Now we understand. That's all that you bring with your offering. It was a preservation agent. And also it was reminding of people that God will always take care of them. God will always preserve them on any difficulties they happen. It's the same thing that we do for this world. We are a mean around us on which we prevent people from doing evil things because we are there. And people sometimes don't do it because we're watching. But we are also that preservation agent. And I like the way Ellen White said it. She says on Healthful Living, page 204, do not withdraw yourself from the world in order to escape persecution. She's talking about the end. Sometimes we have heard people saying, you need to leave the city. You need to go and live like a hermit dead in the mountain where nobody talks to you and, and get you contaminated with sin. She said, no. Do not withdraw yourself from the world in order to escape persecution. Persecution will come. One way or another will come. But she says, she says, you are to abide among men that the Savior of divine law might be a salt to preserve the world from corruption. Wow, isn't that beautiful? If those who serve God were removed from the earth, the world would be left to destruction. The wicked owe even the blessing of this life to the present in the word of God's people whom they despise and oppress. How many times you have heard of an earthquake or the storm that we had yesterday? It wasn't that hard, isn't it? But how many of you pray and say, hi God, please stop this No, Keep us safe. And not only me, my neighbors, my co-workers, my friend, everyone. And what did God do? Stop it. Because we pray. So that was also a blessing for those, even those people who doesn't want to do anything with God. We were a blessing to them. And that's why, that's why Ellen White put it that way. Then he says, the wicked owe even the blessing of this life to the preserved persons in the world of God's people whom they despise and oppress. But if Christians are such in name only, they are like salt that has lost its flavor. Through misrepresentation of God, they are worse than unbelievers. Wow, that hurts. What happens when we are just nominal Christians? Oh, I'm Christian only on Sabbath because I go to church. But then I forget. I remember a, on my early days of being a Christian, there was a pastor that came to our country. He was from Mexico. He was a powerful man. And everything he he tossed, it was like an illustration. He says, I know some people, he, he, and at the beginning I didn't get the message. He said, I know, he used to say, and pre, preach almost every day, he says, I know some people who has a book with 20, 27 beliefs back then, I'm talking about almost 15 years ago or more. He said, I know some people that have 27 
believe in a book, written in a book. And every Friday night, they go to the closet, they get that garment, they, they put the uh, cheap custom on it. And then during 24 hours, they have a cheap custom on top of it. And then at the end of the Sabbath afternoon, they put that garment and put it on and get the wolf garment and put it back on. That's some of us. We are Christians only during service. But what happened to 24-7? Oh no, I'm on break. <laughs> no. Jesus paid the price for your redemption. And it wasn't a cheap price. It was his life. It was his blood. So we are called to be like Jesus. 24-7. And if we are to be Christian or for people, we need to be those kind of Christians that when people come to us, they will always hear hope and a blessing. Let's not be like the other denomination that they don't talk about the real Jesus. If you want to know about those denominations, just read Isaiah 4.1. Isaiah 4.1 says, And in that day seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own food and wear our own apparel, our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. That denomination says, hey, I don't want anything of your message, Jesus. I don't want anything or your law. We just want to have the name Christians in it. That's all we need. We're going to create our own doctrines. We're going to create our own teaching, our own belief. That's all we need. But we don't, have, we don't want anything to do with you. Let's not be the group. Let's be the group that is going to be real Christians. Uh, Sometimes, in the same way that we've been studying the Sabbath school lesson, we must say, why do you keep studying about the same thing over and over. Are you stubborn? Or do you just want to be unique? No. We just want to follow what God said. That's it. And we want to teach people what God said. That's it. We don't want to be unique. We just want to tell you what the Bible says. So you have to be that salt. Now, Let's see another phase of who you are. And this might sound interesting for some of us. You are the soldier of Jesus Christ. Wow. How come that happened? Because my brother, <clears throat> when Jesus, or when Paul talks, talked to Timothy on this letter, he says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he might please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Our battles, battles my friends, are not financial. Of course, we struggle financially sometimes, but why do we struggle financially? Because when we start a business, we forgot to ask God for guidance. We just opened the business, we went into it, and then we say, oh God, please bless me. 
No, you do everything backwards. Before you do something, you come to God and say, God, is this the right thing I'm going to do? And if it's the right thing, God will open the doors. But if it's not, you will find one barrier, another barrier, another barrier, and you should know that God doesn't want you to go in that direction. And then you will stop and say, okay, I'm not moving forward because God doesn't want me to go that way. I remember when <clears throat> I, was, uh, I was fired for a company because I was Seventh-day Adventist. My co-worker became my supervisor one night. And even though he was a Christian, he decided for two years, give me hell. Because he wanted me to, he wanted to prove everyone that I was mistaken. So every Friday night, he will call me, we have a meeting tomorrow. And every Friday night, I had to tell him, you know, I'm sorry, I can't be there because I'm going to church. For two years, then he fired me. For me, that day was the best and happiest day of my life. I felt so relieved. Like, oh, I don't have to deal with this man anymore. I was the happiest man of life. So for two years, I worked independent, freelance. And it was awesome. But then I said, well, God, you know, I want to find a new job. And when I, I got find a new job, because I just want to be like, more like settle everything, I don't want to talk anything about the Sabbath. I don't even want people to tell me that we're going to work on the Sabbath. Nothing. So please, I just put it in your hands. That week, one of my friends called me and said, you know, Hey, I got you a job. Are you interested? Because I know you're working in the pencil. What is it? Well, it's kind of a printing something. Uh, that the position was not clear, so I went, okay. So I went for an interview, and I was in El Salvador. My manager was in Miami, so we talked over the phone. And after he, we talked about what I was going to do and everything, he said, do you have any question? He said, yeah. How many days do we work? I said, well, we just work Monday to Friday. That's it. I said, okay, sign me in. And that was it. But what happened if I took every other job, every other job? I remember another day, too, on that previous job. Somebody told me, you know, in this bank, they are opening a position just right for you. And I went and talked to the uh, guys, and the guys know me, and they know what I was doing. And they say, yeah, you, your curriculum is something that we're looking for. And we can pay you like six, seven times what I was making that day, that time. And I said, wow. And then I told him, you know, uh, the only exception is that I cannot work on Sabbath. Every other day, I can. And they say, oh, I'm sorry, but you need to make that exception away because that's the day when we do our backup routines. And we come in contact with our New York offices and we work the whole Sabbath. You know, I said, okay, you know what? Sorry, I can't. Somebody must say, hey, why not? You're going to make seven times more money than you're doing. Are you crazy? But no. When you trust in your God, 
when you believe in the promise that God has given to you, those things don't matter. Because it's more valuable one dollar with a blessing than ten dollars with no blessing. And I think you can tell that. It is a big difference. It is a big difference. So when you are a good soldier of Jesus Christ, it talks about the spiritual area. You know that I'm going to have a gun and fight with everybody who opposes the church or doesn't want to accept my studies? No. You're not going to talk about any other political issues either. Why? Because politicians are politicians. They are in an arena on which we don't mix. I remember back in my country, I had a family that I loved very much. But every time there was coming time for election, I had this brother come into the pulpit and start talking about political things, and I had to. From there, one of the few said, excuse me. He said, what? Are we in church? Is it today at service? He said, yeah. Okay, so stop talking about that thing and let's talk about Jesus. He didn't like me very much. But that's our point. Politicians and Christians don't mix. And sometimes we talk, we want to, let's say, give support to politicians. Don't fall into that temptation. Because that's something that is, doesn't have to do with us. They will tell you, heaven, but one day in, in office, they'll give you hell. And what is going to be with you? Nothing. So you are not being loyal to your call. Because you are a soldier, but a soldier of Jesus Christ. That is a different. Our battles are spiritual. And how do we find our battles? Oh, easy. Ephesians 6, 11 says... Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the vials of the devil. And that is easy. You don't have to wear a weapon. You don't have to go ahead and fight anybody. No. Use the spiritual weapon God has given you. And those, you can read about them on Ephesians 6, 14 to 18. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all these fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which the Word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Those are our weapons, spiritual weapons. Every time something comes to you, pray before you open your, your mouth. It might be that the thing that you're hearing might not be good. But before you say something, pray. Hold your breath. And until you have prayed, then you answer. And if you have no answer, you better don't say anything. Wisdom, uh, silence is more wisdom than anything else. Believe me. 
You will remember that. So we, as a Christians, we are also soldiers of Jesus Christ. And we are supposed to conquer those places dominated by evil and create a stronghold for God. It is awesome when you can visit somebody's home and that people ask you, can you pray for us? Sure, why not? Let's pray right now. And then you pray and pray for those people and you see the change on those people. I remember one day, uh, back in my country we used to have meetings every Thursday or Friday night at homes. We use this, we call it the small groups. And this time they were, they were opening a new place. It was an, a nice, sweet family. And they called me and said, hey, why don't you come and give us the Bible study this coming Thursday? It's going to be on this and this place. We're going to meet on this area and then we go to this home so you can meet them. So I, I prepare a sermon of study and something. And we get there, nobody say anything. So we got there and start talking and talking. And then all of a sudden, he talks about the images, the worship of images. I told him, well, some people worship images of this and this and blah, and blah, blah. But you know what? They're wasting their time because they don't hear. They do not exist. The Bible doesn't support them. And I saw my friend from the church with the big eyes like, oh, I didn't know. I just provided Bible study. And then at the end of the Bible study, we pray. So when we left, they told me, brother, what did you do? I said, what do you mean what I do? You know, they're Catholics. And they believe in this and this and everything they believe. You just kill them all at once. Now they're not going to let us come back again and study the word of God. I said, well, I'm sorry. You told me to talk about something and this is what I came to my mind. I didn't know and nobody told me anything. Well, let's pray. And, and, and we did that. Then I went back to my church because that was from another church. A few months later, came back to that church for a service that we had. And when I was walking into that church, I see that family say, Hey, brother, how are you? And they give me the hand, and I was like, Who are these people? Because sometimes what happens is that because we have a, uh, I don't know if you are familiar with this moment. Uh, this is a movement called, uh, I forgot the name. But they used to have uh, people coming from the U.S. to different countries and provide uh, two weeks of evangelism, then he translated. So I was working with them for translation. So that's a lot of people who know me. But because of that, not because I met them personally. So I thought, well, maybe those people are those who have seen me in the pulpit, but I don't know what they are. And they told me, do you remember me? And I say, no. Remember that you went to our homes and talked about this and this and this. And then that clicked into my mind. I was like, this is the family. And they said, you know what? We just baptized last month. I was like, oh my God. People wasn't expecting that to happen. But sometimes when you go there and you talk about the Bible, is the Bible that opened that bridge in that heart. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit that makes them accept that truth. It's not you. 
But you have to go with that power and talk about it. That's why your battles are spiritual. And if you face those battles in a spiritual way, then you will have victory. And then the last thing that we're going to talk about today, but not the less, you are a letter. What happens if the letter is sealed? Do you know the content? There's no way. But what happens if somebody opened that letter and then passed it all along and all of you read it? That's no secret anymore, isn't it? Everybody knows the content of that letter. And when we read on first, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 3, Paul is talking to the Corinthians. He says, hey, do you need a recommendation letter from us? Or do we need a recommendation from you so that we can go ahead and talk to the people? And then Paul says on 2 Corinthians 3, 2, verses in 3, and I'm going to read it for the International Standard Version because I like better the, uh, uh, the translation. It says, you are our letter. What? You don't need recommendation letter. We don't need them. You are our recommendation letter. How? How can that be? Written in our hearts and known and read by everyone because everything they were doing, the whole neighborhood, the whole town knew what they were doing. They knew how they were living. They knew everything they were talking. So those were read by everyone. You are demonstrating that you are the Messiah's letter. Wow, that's even deeper. We are the Messiah's letter. Produced by our service, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tables of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. It is interesting that when Paul says that it's produced by our service, I like what he said there because what he's saying is that when you help others grow spiritually, then you, they are produced the, the produce they make is because of your service. You are helping that person to grow spiritually. And sometimes people will come to you and say, brother, why don't you do this? Or why don't we Christians shouldn't do that? And then you open your word and say, oh, because on the Bible said that we shouldn't do this, we should do this, and we should do that, and this should be the way that we should be doing. They say, oh, thank you. You help them grow spiritually. And they grow and grow. And it's your service who makes them grow. And that's the blessing. But when you are an open letter, everyone can see who you are. So no matter if you are at the metro station waiting for a bus, or in Walmart, or at your job, or even standing on the corner of the street waiting for somebody to pick you up, people will know who you are. Have you ever read the, the Bible when it talks about Elijah? There was a, 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 a woman that always saw Elijah walking down the hill. And she told her husband, 
I think that man is a man of God. How did you know that? It seems that when you start reading that part of the Bible, it doesn't seem that they met each other before. But how did she know that? Could it be that Elijah walked in a different way, or Christian should walk in a different way, or the different outfit? It's something that told her that he was a believer of the God. It's the same way with us. We should be open letters. And everyone, when they see us, they see who we are. And I want to uh, take you to this last quote from Ellen White. He's on a step to Christ. And I, I like it, page 115, it says, in every one of his children, Jesus sends a letter to the world. If you are Christ's follower, he sends in you a letter to the family, the village, the street where you live. Jesus dwelling in you desires to speak to the hearts of those who are not acquainted with him. Perhaps they do not read the Bible or do not hear the voice that speaks to them in these pages. They do not see the love of God through his words. But if you are a true representative of Jesus, it might be that through you they will be led to understand something of his goodness and be one to love and serve him. Isn't that beautiful? You don't have to even do Bible studies. Just help them be like you are. And you are winning souls for Jesus Christ. You, and that is in that way that you are an open letter. And I think you have talked to people like that. People who may not be able to read as much as you might read. Or they might read it, but they may not understand it. But when they see your smile, but when they see your heart, and they see you willing always to give an extra hand, they want to be like you. And that's how they accept Jesus. So my brothers, maybe you forgot that you were Christians. So the Bible gives you a call today to remind you of your call. Maybe you just want to be a new creature. I think it's fine. Maybe you just want to be the light. That could also be fine. Maybe you just want to be the salt. Yeah, that's fine too. Or you just want to be a soldier. Excellent. You just want to be an open letter. That's well too. But the truth is that your call is to be all of them by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's your call. That's my call. We are to be true Christians. And don't forget that. God bless you. And we're going to sing our song, hymn 337, Redeem.